not going to get what is right or wrong from the media. You're sure not going to get it from our culture. You've got to get it from the Word of God. When you don't know what to do, you do what is right. And if you just do what is right, right will carry you through. Do the right thing. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. A defining moment is one of those rare and special moments when something comes along after which your life is never the same. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you for joining us. Today, we're starting a new message I'm calling Three Truths That Changed My Life. You know, I can look back and pick out about five defining moments that altered the direction of my life forever. Some of them were people and others were truths that God used to bring radical transformation. As Jesus said, You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I want to take this broadcast to share three of those truths with you. I pray that they'll impact your life just like they did mine. These three truths are the reason I'm coming to you on radio. They're the reason I began communicating God's Word when I was still a teenager. So here we go. Let's find out what those three truths are. Today, I'm going to share with you on three truths that changed my life. I'm just going to talk to you out of my heart a little bit. Three truths that changed my life. I love this verse. Jesus is talking to Martha. He's already told them to roll away the stone from where her dead brother lies. And she's told Jesus something she thought he didn't know. Lord, by this time, the problem stinks. How many of you have ever had a problem that stinketh? (laughs) Isn't it funny how we tell the Lord, Lord, you don't want to come into this mess, but we don't understand Jesus died for the mess. So he is saying this to her about rolling away the stone. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Now, I want you to notice the progression here. Believing precedes seeing. Didn't I say to you, Martha, if you would believe, it would result in your seeing something. You would see the glory of God. How many of you in here want to see the glory of God? Life's too short to see anything else. If you would believe, you would see the glory of God. You know, I really believe that um, this is true in so many ways. I believe that it matters what you believe about God. Tell me what you believe about God, and I will tell you some very crucial things about your future. Tell me what you believe about Christ, and I'll tell you some real crucial things about your future. It matters what we believe about God. But also, I believe it matters what we believe about a lot of things if we're going to see the glory of God. I believe that Christians have been born again to see the glory of God. 
We have not been given a book of religious principles, of rules and bylaws, and Jesus did not come to turn us into religious robots. Jesus came to save us so that we would see the glory of God. We will never see the glory of God apart from faith. Now, apart from my believing in Jesus and turning to him for my salvation, there are several things that I have believed that I have found to be true that have changed my life. And I want to share three of them with you. I got to thinking about this. Well, you know, what have I believed in conjunction with believing in Christ that has changed my life, that's really made a difference in my life? So this is sort of a heart-to-heart today. Let me just tell you three things that I have believed that have changed my life. I've seen these things to be true anytime I've stood on them. Here's the first one. I found it to be true that we should focus on what we have, not what we don't have. Start with what you have, not what you don't have. I think that it's human nature. As soon as we're looking at a goal or a dream or a vision, the first thing we do is we look at what we don't have. And we lose our faith and sort of the air gets let out of the balloon and we say, well, I can't do it because I really don't have what I need. But I want to tell you something today. I'm here to announce a truth to you today that everything you need to do God's will for your life, you already have it within you. He didn't call you without gifting you. And when God tells you and I to do something, he gives us what we need not to finish, but he gives us what we need to start. And when we use what we have to begin with, we find that that multiplies into enough to finish. But don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what you do have. I was thinking about when God first called me. And I began to burn with the Holy Spirit's fire to preach. I never heard a voice tell me, Jeff, I am calling you to preach. Go preach. No, no. I just got in the presence of hearing the word of God. And I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and the fire of God's spirit touched my heart, I found this irresistible urge, this irresistible desire to preach and to teach and to declare the word of God. And you know what? That was when I was 18 years old. It has never left me to this day. But when he first put this on my heart, I had a contradiction going on because I was scared to death to talk in front of people. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth about me. When I would be asked to talk in front of people, from the time I was in elementary school onward, my knees would begin to shake, my lower lip would begin to tremble, one of my eyes would begin to twitch, and I would feel this rush of red embarrassment rushing up into my face. And what the problem was is I didn't believe I had anything to offer. And yet God comes knocking on the door of my heart. If you'd have lined me up with a hundred people, I would have picked myself last to be anybody God would have put his hand on to speak the word of God. But I couldn't resist the call and the call touched my heart. I've discovered when God wants you to do something, he touches 
your heart. It becomes a passion, a Holy Ghost, God-given, divine passion. You don't have to lay hold of it. It lays hold of you. You don't have to hang on to it. It hangs on to you. It will not leave you alone. When God is calling you to do something, it becomes a deep-seated passion. And so I started praying for what I really did not want to do. Oh God, please open a door for me to preach the word. And the first time somebody came to me and said, hey, our preacher is going to be gone in a couple of weeks. Would you come and share the word of God with us? I said, yes. And all the way home, kicked myself all the way home. Couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, couldn't concentrate. Fasted three days and nights. I went into hell. I couldn't imagine standing up and saying anything to anybody. I had hair down to here, parted down the middle, wire rim glasses, When I turned sideways, you couldn't see me because I was 130 pounds soaking wet. I'd never had a suit on in my life, and I was going to step into a Baptist church and preach. I don't think they knew what they were doing. And yet God said, do it. I tried to get out of it. I called him. I said, look, some things have come up. Oh, but you've got to come because we don't have anybody else and you're already in the bulletin. And so I went. I went in blue jeans with a pullover shirt with my hair and a ponytail. I know you're going, no way, not you, Pastor Jeff. Oh, yeah, it was me. And I remember sitting in that chair waiting for them to call me up, and I was dying a thousand deaths. I thought it was the longest worship service of my life. And finally, I see them. Jeff Wickwire is here to share the Word of God. I stood up, and it was like I was watching somebody else's mouth talk from a distance back here. I didn't know what to say. I can't tell you to this day what I did say. I just spit something out. I I couldn't look him in the eye. I didn't think anybody was getting anything out of it. But all of a sudden, God began to move in spite of my sheer terror. And I gave an invitation and people came down to get saved. And I walked away and I said, wow, I was looking at what I did not have, but I didn't realize he gave me everything I needed to do what he's called me to do. So I've learned, yeah. So, you know, you read in the Bible here where they were going to feed the 10,000 people or so. And Jesus turned to the disciples in Mark chapter 8, verses 4 and 5. Jesus turned to the disciples and here's 10,000 people. And he says, feed them. Now, the first thing they did was they looked at their sack lunch. They had five uh, fishes or five loaves and two fishes. That's all that they had. They looked at what they did not have. And they said to Jesus, how do you expect us to do this? How do you expect us to pull this off? How do you expect us to make this happen? All we've got is this little sack lunch. And here's what Jesus said. Give me what you have. Give me what you have. But Lord, we don't have near enough. What you have asked us to do is flat ridiculous. It is absurd. It is an absurdity that you would ask us to feed 10,000 people with what you know we don't have. And Jesus gave a principle that I've learned to live by. You don't focus on what you don't have. Because usually if God is telling you to do it, In the natural, you're not going to be able to do it. As a matter of fact, I've learned this about God. If I think God is telling me to do something, if it is not impossible for me left to myself, it's probably not God. 
He wants me to have to look to him, say, well, here's all I've got. I've got a sack lunch, Lord, and held up against 10,000 people. This looks ridiculous. And he said, give me what you have. All I want is what you have because what you have is enough to start. I've given you enough to begin. You say, I can't go to school. He's given you what you need to start. I can't do that ministry. He's given you what you need to begin. He has not left you without a sack lunch. You've got a sack lunch somewhere. And when God is telling you to do it, you can do it if you give him what you have. And it may not be much, but he doesn't need much because a little becomes a lot and a small amount becomes great when you place it into the hands of the one who can touch it and multiply it and make it flourish not by might and not by power but by his spirit he does it he pulls it off so that no man can get the glory now I've noticed we always as human beings we overstate the importance of things we don't have We look at ourselves when God calls us and we says, wow, when he tells us to do something, do a ladies ministry, do a men's ministry, go on radio, go do this, go do that, pray more, reach out, go into this business or that business. And we look at ourselves and say, I'm so incapable. I am so unable to really do this, but I'm telling you, you have what you need to begin. And if you use what you have by giving what you have to God, God will make it happen. John Burroughs said, the great opportunity is not way down the road. The great opportunity is where you are. You are loaded with opportunity now. You have what you need to launch a miracle now. Elijah goes down the road. He's been staying at the brook Kareth. The brook dries up. He says, what do I do now, Lord? The brook is dried up. God said, go down the road about a mile or two. There's a widow at Zarephath, and I want you to stay there. He goes down the road to the widow's house. And he goes into the widow, and he says, I'm really hungry. Would you make me something to eat? She says, you don't understand. I don't have much. As a matter of fact, me and my little boy here, we're about to die. We've got one last meal. We're going to eat that last meal. And then I've already made up my mind, me and my son, we're going to die. Now, I want you to notice that Elijah stepped into the middle of a tragedy. He stepped into the middle of a desperate scenario. He stepped into the middle of something that was extremely gut-wrenching and heartbreaking. This woman had already made up her mind. I've got enough food for one more meal, and we've already talked about it. Me and my little boy, we're going to die. But God sent a man, his man. He's a picture of Jesus Christ. Elijah is a picture of Christ. He is an Old Testament prototype of Christ. And he steps in and he says, what do you have? That's all I want to know. I don't want to know what you don't have. I want to know what you do have. Well, I have a handful of flour and I have a little bit of oil in a glass and that's it. It's enough for one more meal. He said, give me what you have. Just give me what you have. You make me a meal. Oh, oh, so you're going to take away the little bit that I do have left and shorten the length of time we've got to live? He said, I'm telling you, give me what you have. If it's a little bit of money, give it to him. If it's your talent, give it to him. If it's your time, give it to him. 
Give him the little bit that you have. So she said, okay. She made the meal, gave it to the prophet of God, picture of Jesus Christ. It's a picture. It's a metaphor. It is a foreshadowing of you and me giving what we have to Jesus Christ. How many of you can say, when he saved me, I didn't have much. Really, I didn't have anything at all. Old mother's cupboard was bare. I was bare because of sin. I was in wretchedness and blindness and nakedness. But I gave him all that I had, which was me. And if you just give him you. That's all that he needs. He'll take you and he will multiply you. He will bless you. He will fill you with the Holy Ghost. He will give you his life. He will give you his destiny. And the little bit that you've got when you get saved, he will touch it. And when it comes into the hands of the nail scarred hands of Christ, a miracle happens. So she said, here, she said, okay, he ate the meal and she looked and I, you know, I've tried to imagine how this possibly happened, but she used the rest of the oil in a glass and she gave him the rest of the flour. But every time she looked, it was there again and there again and there again. And this was not David Copperfield. This was not magic. This was the multiplication of a miracle every day for a whole year. They ate three square meals a day, multiplied oil. And what turned a little bit into a lot when she quit looking at what she didn't have and gave him what she had. This is a truth that I have lived with. You know, Tom and I, here we, we're, we're talking about now going in front of 17,000 people. I know Tom shared the truth up here. He paced the floor at night. What have I done? But here's what we did. We started out with 100 guitars of praise. We gave him what we had. And we watched it grow and watched it grow. And now, people who said you'll never get a thousand guitars of praise together, where are you going to get a thousand guitars player, guitar players? And now, we've got more than a thousand. And by the time next week rolls around, it'll probably be a thousand thirty, a thousand forty. But I'm saying we gave him what we had. And now it's gone from small to large, from little to great. And it's only going to spread because we gave God what we had. And that's all he wants from us. Don't let what you cannot do keep you from what you can do. Because you can do a lot. I was talking to somebody just recently. And she said to me, my husband is so educated. He's hugely educated. As a matter of fact, he's got several upper level graduate degrees. But the problem is, he doesn't know how to, how to market that. And so he's got all of this potential and all this knowledge And yet he can't turn it over and make it happen. And as I quizzed her about it a little bit, it turned out that actually it's because he won't step out. And he won't put himself in a position where God can begin to use him. And I think one of the most wasted treasures in the world is the potential of people. Start with what you have. With where you are. And watch it grow. There's a second truth that's changed my life. And here it is. If you continue to do what's right, what's wrong and who's wrong will eventually leave your life. If you continue to do what's right, what's wrong and who's wrong will eventually leave your life. You know, I've learned... I don't really have to do a whole lot to get some of the wrong people out of my life. If I just shine 
and gossip the gospel, most of them boogie. Have you ever noticed that? And some of you who are being tempted by peers, uh, experiment with drugs, or to go drinking, to live a life that you know is wrong. Some of you that are being tempted this way and you're a young person or you know that you're, you're kind of saddled up with somebody that is not good for you. I've learned, just start doing what is right. You know, right has tremendous power. There is great power in just doing the right thing. When you don't know what to do, do what is right. Just do what is right. Sometimes it's hard to tell who's right, but the word is very clear on what's right. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you don't know what to do? You do the right thing. There is such power in doing what is right. Just do what is right. When you're confused and you wake up and you don't know what decision to make about something and and you're seeking guidance and you're sort of in a fog and right now you don't really know whether to go right or left or forward or backward. You don't know and you're kind of in betwixt. You're in limbo. You don't know what the right decision is. Then that's when you do for sure the right thing because the wrong way will never get you to a right destination. A businessman had a plaque on his desk and I like this. His plaque said, right is right, even if everyone is against it. And wrong is wrong, even if everyone is for it. And let me tell you something, folks. Just because the majority says something is right, doesn't mean the majority is right. There's a little creature, a little animal called lemming. I think it's L-E-M-I-N-G, lemming. They look like these little mouse creatures. And every year they do something scientists have never been able to understand. They all gather together, they congregate like a big church service, and they walk off a cliff. They walk off a cliff and they commit mass suicide every year. Keeps the lemming population down. And all of them go. And you can sit there and watch them. I've seen films. They just walk off. Oh, there goes Joe. There goes Bob. There goes Sue. Here I come. Splat, splat, splat. And they jump to their demise. I said, why did God make them do that? To show us the majority is not always right. Because if you watch the media, they'll tell you that wrong is right and right is wrong. They'll tell you that up is down and down is up. You're not going to get what is right or wrong from the media. You're sure not going to get it from our culture. You've got to get it from the Word of God. When you don't know what to do, you do what is right. And if you just do what is right, right will carry you through. Do the right thing. Doing the right thing always shortens the distance between you and your dream. Doing the wrong thing always lengthens the distance between you and your dream. Do the right thing. The right thing is a healing thing. Not only is it the right thing to do, but it heals. I tell people who have been in sin and who are coming out of sin, the most important thing you can do, because sin has ravaged your soul. Sin has damaged you. We're all broken. Well, no doubt about it, truth can be like a bolt of lightning out of heaven or like a quiet whisper that speaks softly to your soul. Either way, truth, God's truth, 100 proof truth, is life-changing. In a world filled with so many lies, half-truths, and subtle deception, it's refreshing to know that truth can be found in God's powerful Word, the Holy Bible. My prayer today is that His truth will transform your life like it has mine. 
and that you will experience an unforgettable, defining moment of change and transformation to the glory of God. Now, don't go anywhere, because our announcer has some exciting things to share with you. Now you can bring Pastor Jeff Wickwire and Life Talk right into your home, your car, or wherever you may be to lead you on the exciting journey of building up your Christian walk in faith, hope, and love. For a gift of any size to Life Talk, Pastor Jeff will send you a CD collection of some of his most anointed and inspiring teaching series. These CDs will strengthen your faith and build your understanding of what Christ Jesus did for you at the cross. You will begin to understand just how much our Heavenly Father loves you and the whole world. So call now, toll free, 877-884-3111. Or just log on anytime, day or night to lifetalk.tv. Listen to Pastor Jeff's hope-filled CDs again and again. Or give them to family members or friends as a gift. Don't wait. Call 877-884-3111 right now. Or log on anytime to lifetalk.tv and give your best gift today. Today's program is entitled... Three Truths That Changed My Life. You can get your own copy of this message for just $5 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.